Welcome to No Show. It's a new podcast about all things related to the hospitality business, like hotels and tourism, and the travel industry and conferences and gatherings and all kinds of other fun stuff. Uh, my name is Matt Brown, and I'm joined by Jeff Borman. Jeff, it happens every time. That feeling of resignation and frustration when you're checking in or out of a hotel, and there's this laundry list of fees below the price you had stuck in your head when you booked the hotel in the first place. And this is uh, this has become a very common experience now uh, when you book a room that you think you're getting for like 160 bucks. And then you look at the, the white sheet that's either snuck under your door or delivered to you over the desk when you're signing in. And that $160 is now morphed into $196. And the fee descriptions are either totally nebulous, I have zero idea what's going on with them, or insultingly presumptuous, gym fee, I don't want to use the gym, pool fee, it's March in Boston, I don't need to go to the pool. I am talking, of course, about resort fees destination fees, all the fees that it feels like have come in like mold, like vines on our bills over the last 10 years, particularly. I know they've been there for longer, but the last last five to 10 years, we've seen those, I feel like we've seen those risen very sharply. And I think collectively, we can't quite get the taste out of our mouths that we're paying for stuff we either don't need or it used to be free. Um, and I think, you know, let's be honest, the general idea about, you know, resort fees is that just a way for hotels to make an extra 30 bucks off of everybody without having to do anything. And because of that, the, the mystery word used in media and TripAdvisor and other review sites to describe these fees has become deceptive. These are deceptive fees to trick us. So my opening screed done, <laughs> Jeff, first things first, what are resort fees? You cut to the core. Uh, the, the, you know, you mentioned other fees, and I think you're right that you know when you talk about uh, destination fees that nobody really knows. Uh, those things, uh, most of the examples you gave in your intro, uh, those are out of a hotel's control. That's the local city ordinance turning the hotel into its tax collector. Uh, you know. Why why raise money from my local population when I could just uh, assess a fee on all the people who stay in a hotel and then they demand that hotels go collect that money? I think most of the examples uh, that you see on your bill like that uh, are sadly for the perception of a hotel, but they're out of the hotel's hands. Resort fee and particularly the D word, deceptive. Uh, sadly, I have to admit those are hundred percent right in control. Uh, hotels choose to do that or they don't. And it's, it's not a very simple choice. Um, it's, it's not like there's, you know, one person out there who makes those decisions. It's a web of people. And I think that's why it makes it so convoluted and hard to understand. Uh, but I have a similar uh, experience in resort fees. Um, when I was celebrating an anniversary to Hawaii, uh, this is 10, 15 years ago, uh, we booked a hotel on an employee rate, which was about 99 bucks a night. I, we arrived in Hawaii uh, expecting to spend about $800 on our hotels for the week. And we had a $100 resort fee that we were introduced to upon arrival. And at that point in my life, 800 bucks was a couple car payments. Uh, and it was a really big deal. And my choice at that point was I could either cause a scene, uh, which would risk my job, uh, because this is a company, you know, a hotel that my company owned, um, 
or I could just walk away bitter. And I walked away bitter. And as the person in charge of pricing for so many years, uh, I've just, I personally advocated for eliminating hidden fees for decades. Uh, Revenue managers with integrity uh, doesn't seem like the pairing that you always hear about. Uh, But I don't know a revenue manager out there, to be honest with you, who would not rather get rid of the fee and price openly and honestly on the open market, right? If it's going to be 200 bucks, say so. And the rest of the market will catch up and everybody's happy again. Everybody makes money again, but just not that simple. A few years ago, uh, Lenny Oberg, who is Marriott's uh, CFO, she was at the uh, the Skift Global Forum. This is 2019 and before time. Uh, and she, uh, you know, I think was directly asked about this. And I think said something like, I know Skift had it in an article uh, from that time and a lot of other news outlets kind of picked it up because, you know, resort fees are, are red meat and, and clickbait when it, when it comes to hotel and, and travel media. And she said something along the lines of that, you know, resort fees tend to be a hot topic. Um, you've probably seen there's some chatter out there from attorney generals uh, about the way they're displayed. And then she says, quote, and I'll remind everybody that we always make sure they are very clearly displayed before you actually book a room. And I think that caught people's eye because the, 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 the perception or at least the feeling um, is that uh, it does not feel very obvious at any point in the process until you get to the point where you have to put your card down. Yeah. Lini is, first of all, a brilliant woman and one of Teflon integrity. Uh, and I say that because you're right, it is a bit of a distraction, though. Uh, let's go talk about uh, how we list it instead of why we have it. And I think that's part of First of all, when you're the biggest in the industry like Marriott, uh, you accept the burden of being the example for everything that goes on in the whole industry. And all the slings and arrows come your way first, and, but that's part of being the biggest and the best. Right? So, But it's not a problem that Marriott created, uh, and Marriott is very clearly an ethics-first culture. Uh, but a couple of things really get in the way. Uh, Marriott had, at one point when I was there, an SOP against the practice of resort fees. Right? It wasn't something the company wanted to do, but it was unenforceable. Uh, and first, unenforceable because antitrust laws that prevent a franchisor from dictating pricing to a franchisee uh, say that you couldn't do it. And I think in that nuance, you actually kind of understand where uh, some of the complexities really lie. So uh, if resort fees are determined to be a part of price, then shouldn't they be included in there? And if it weren't, it wouldn't be covered by an antitrust issue. So Marriott has an issue being 85% franchise. Uh, They cannot actually go out and stop 85% of the portfolio from doing this kind of fee. Uh, The other part about this is if, if a corporate office can't dictate to franchisees the price, uh, then the argument goes, and I think the Skift article, article you're talking about says, at least they could have eliminated them from the resorts that are under their direct management. And that is true. The critical mass isn't there, though. Uh, if Marriott goes out and says, okay, fine, we're going to go do this. We're No more fees. And the, the same is true of, of Hilton or IHG or Four Seasons, you name it. If they made a decision, we're getting rid of fees, they still have owners of those hotels that are going to hold them accountable. So Let's just do some cocktail napkin math here. Uh, if you have a thousand room resort, runs 80% occupancy, and you charge $100 for 
every guest every night on a resort fee. It's $29 million in pure cash flow to the bottom line of that hotel. It's actually probably about half that because one of the other deceptive parts is that half of the customers out there are exempt from the fee, either because they booked on a corporate negotiated rate or a group or an event price that, uh, that negotiated that fee out of the way. But you're still talking, let's say, $15 million in pure cash to the owner. So, you know, if a Marriott in this example were to determine, uh, let's get rid of that fee, uh, Matt, if you were the owner of that hotel, would you continue to choose Marriott to manage that hotel? Or would you go choose the Hyatt down the street that still gets you that $15 million by charging everybody a resort fee? I mean, in theory, yeah, sure. Bring it all down, man. Make the change. I make the, I'm making the change I want to see. Let's do it. And then, you know, as always in these circumstances, as in every industry, you know, that's when shareholders and unions and the employees' families and the property leaseholder and the bank and just inertia, like the inertia of the industry, I think, would get involved and change your frame of reference and stop it dead. It's like, of course, you're not going to do that. You're going to go along with what the rest of the pack is going to do, as, as all these industries, major industries do. And that kind of it reminds me a little bit. It feels very much how like airlines have handled pricing over the last 20 years, and particularly since deregulation of the last 40 years. You know, airline execs will tell you, and every conference where there, there's a panel about this, they will tell you that the vast majority of domestic travelers, especially, will always choose the lower price when they're doing an online search. Always. Doesn't matter. If they they will all make a, an agreement to kind of price everything a little bit higher and uh, throw a lot of services in there. And the one who breaks and doesn't include it, bags or any kind of other fee in there, that will always be the, the, the fee that's chosen. Um, you know, and they choose them, you know, right now you'll choose the cheapest fee and then you'll add on seating and boarding and all that stuff in a moment of weakness later when you're tired and you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to be in the middle seat and all that kind of stuff. Our eyes and credit cards seem like they're always sort of drawn to the, that shiny yield, even though we know there's something compromised about it. So, you know, here's a $200 fare to Seattle, but no bags and you have to sit in the back in one of our new economy half seats. It's like, great, sure, I'll do it, you know, because I feel like I'm getting a deal. So I feel like with hotels, it's a similar kind of thing particularly in the online search era, the Expedia era, um, where they're always going to want to come in at a lower price than sneak in what feels like hidden charges once you're on the ground. And they'll just figure you'll put up with it. You know, on one hand, operating costs go up and I get that. And that's that's what operating costs do. They go up, they don't, they don't, they don't go down. And there are plenty of people who can take advantage of all these amenities a hotel actually has to offer, and the money's not that big of a deal, and blah, blah, blah. It's just the price of doing business. But it does feel insurmountable. You know, <laughs> I know it's gone from being here's here's an $8 charge on your bill to here's this thing that is now maybe a fifth more than what you thought the total price is going to be. And I think I wonder, I think a lot of people wonder, is there anything we can do about this? It just feels that it's Terminator, inevitable part of our travel lives. And even though I absolutely believe that that consumer revolt against these kinds of things can work and people can vote, vote with their, their wallets, I think when the whole industry is united, change can be you know, pretty slow. And I'm looking at you, phone companies. I mean, just look at all the other kind of major, you know, telecoms and phone companies and everybody else who's been on kind of this fee march 
uh, and, you know, over the last two decades. And it just seems like there's nothing you can do against it because you want to watch whatever you want to watch the Game of Thrones spinoff. You want to watch Dexter on Showtime, you know, whatever the whatever your preferred thing is going to be. I'm wondering, is I mean, is there any hope? Oh, Lord, I can't believe I'm saying this. Is there any hope that like a an industry body or a government agency could step in on this? Yeah, so I think there would have to be a government body or an industry body that that takes over the conversation. Uh, and but to your airline example, uh, a couple of major differences to think through because I think most of the consumer world thinks of you know, the travel industry. You got airlines, you got hotels, and they do the same kind of stuff in the same way. And, and it really couldn't be more different. First, airlines, there are really, at least domestically, there are only four players, right? United, American, Delta, and Southwest. And what you see in that industry uh, is when one of them creates a brand new cool fee, the others will mirror that within days, right? So I don't remember who created the baggage fee, uh, but let's say it was United. I kind of think it was, but if it was United, they came out with it on a Monday and by Tuesday, Delta and American were following, right? Uh, You don't have that. And you don't have that in the hotel industry. Again, in part, because even the top four chains only make up a third of the total marketplace. Half the hotels in the US are still independent hotels. So you don't have... uh, you don't have that mass where one can simply follow the other one. And then the whole consumer choice thing has gone right within days. You don't have that in the hotel industry. The other part is that airlines own the planes. So when an airline makes a decision, we're going to put 25 bucks on every bag that goes on our planes. They kind of making this way too simple, but they push a couple buttons and it's there. It's on every plane tomorrow. Back to the franchisee example that I gave uh, for a hotel company with thousands and thousands of hotels, they have to literally go out and convince every owner and GM uh, that this is a good idea. They should get on board. Uh, the politicking that goes beyond that, the handholding, the execution and the time it takes. And oh, Well, I want to do $20 on my bag fee. I want to do 50 on my bag. Like, all of a sudden, you've got 10,000 interested parties in this decision. In theory, the airlines have about three. Uh, so it, it doesn't really, the ability to levy a big fee or a big tax like that doesn't translate from one industry to the next, uh, which kind of gets to the question, is there an industry body or a government agency in this setting? Because it's so fragmented, I kind of think you have to have some coordination. Now, would it be an industry body? Uh, frankly, I don't think so. And I, and I say that because even within you know, the hotel community, there's too much disagreement about whether or not you keep or get rid of that kind of fee. Uh, I think it's probably going to have to be government standing up for uh, you know, consumer protection issues. And, and I think, again, that's where you, you teed it up with the word deceptive. I think that's where attorneys general, at least articles I've been reading for years and years, uh, that's the word they really hang on because it's where consumer protection can come in and they got some teeth to it. Within the industry, though, uh, you still have the owners pulling the strings. So uh, in the example I gave you of if you owned that resort in Hawaii and your choice was to have this management company make you $15 million or that management company say, no, we're going to give that away. Hotel companies basically have two guns at their head simultaneously. You got one from the owner saying, you better go get me that cash. And the other one at the other temple is the customer who's saying, this is crazy. We don't approve. We don't like it. 
And, and so the brand manager really needs to walk that tightrope. If there were a legal ruling that it was deceptive, uh, quite honestly, I think the brands would like that. Uh, now, I'm, I'm out on a limb here, but uh, I did once endorse that kind of strategy. You know, uh, hey, Jeff, our attorney is going to be down meeting with uh, the attorney general on this issue. Uh, are there any good reasons we should uh, supply to our legal team to go defend this as a good practice, uh, justify this practice? My answer was, uh, no, we should send the attorneys in and hope they fail. The best thing we could get out of this is that there is governance that says, no, take it away, stop upsetting your customers. And then a hotel company could turn to its owner community and say, sorry, it's the law. We don't have a choice. I think until you have somebody really forcefully insisting that these kind of fees are deceptive, I don't see any way that the hotel companies themselves get themselves out of that pickle by choosing owners over customers. I think there's a possibility, and, and we, you've seen this with um, with the Vegas parking fee uh, mm. fiasco over the last few years, that parking always used to be free at Vegas hotels. And uh, as operating costs went up, um, you, you know, the hotels, especially along the strip and downtown started to, um, you know, charge $5, $10, sometimes more, depending on how long you were going to stay. And it was this affront <laughs> to not just to locals, but to tourists, to regular tourists who've been going there for years. It's like, I, I, this is part of my secret compact with this town is that I come here and I spend money on a room. I spend money on shows and your food and I lose all my money at the table, but I do not pay for parking. This is America. I do not have to pay for parking in the middle of the West. And the hotels have kind of held hung tough on that. But I do feel like like some of the hotels that are trying to compete for those strip dollars and downtown dollars are making a marketing play out of it. Like we don't have parking fees and some of them are getting out in front of this and saying no resort fees. And I'm starting to see that a little bit more uh, as a as a as an ad for, for for companies that are kind of on the outside of whatever the core market that they're trying to you know kind of penetrate, that they're leading with that as a as a thing to kind of get customers. And I, I don't want you to to have to betray any code that you or oath that you may have given. But let's say that I am walking into a hotel in Boston or Chicago, and I don't want to pay my resort fee. Do I have any recourse as Joe hotel guy walking in the front door? Do I have any kind of thing that I can trot out there and say, I'd prefer not to pay this? Oh man. Uh, you, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to betray a whole lot of friends. I mean, they're really, so no, there is no simple recourse for you. Uh, and while I don't advocate being that guy in the lobby, you throw a fit and they're going to get you out of the lobby and take care of you. I don't know that we can air this broadcast, right? But it's, I mean, it's, it's the same of any industry. If you go into a car dealership, you ask me the same question. And I hate that I'm even equating a front desk to a car sales guy. But if you go into a car dealer, are you going to get the best deal if you walk up and make a scene and push them hard and create a lot of issues and you know, threaten a bad review and do all that? kind of, you know, It depends who you want to be, Matt. I'm not proposing anarchy here, right? I don't think I am. I just, 
I feel like maybe, and maybe, maybe it gets back to the, the, to the just rewarding the places that don't do it. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's, I think that becomes tough. Um, you know, when you're on business and you have to stay at a certain place and you have to stay by a convention center and your choices are fairly limited because there's going to, the hotels that are in those areas are going to essentially create like a little consortium that nobody's going to break from that. I don't think, but I, I do feel it's so tough because, you know, travelers aren't unionized. I wish, or maybe I don't wish, I don't know what the implications of that would be. So it's tough for them as a body to come out and say, these fees are crazy. We don't want to do this anymore. Sure. But the, the expansion of resort fee, uh, I checked into a hotel in Manhattan a couple of years ago and it had the urban resort fee. An urban resort. This is a hotel. It didn't even have an, a restaurant anymore. Right. It didn't have a spa. The gym was okay, but every guest gets it no matter what. Right. An urban resort fee. I think that was one that really tipped me over into this is something that has to change. All this talk about destination fees brings us to our question of the week. Uh, every week, I uh, hide a secret question in a vault, and Jeff has never heard this, um, and I spring it on him unawares. Jeff, this week's question, uh, apropos to resorts and destinations, is what is the best hotel pool you've ever been in? Wow, the Ritz-Carlton Finance Street in Beijing. It's so different from any other urban pool or pool for that matter. It's like a grotto. So it's subterranean. Uh, and the way it's designed, uh, dimly lit, there's a mirror image of the light in the pool that is reflecting softly off the ceiling. Do you remember John Wick? I think the second movie where they do scenes in Rome and they're walking through these different you know, candle lit tunnels and there's all kinds of debauchery and things crazy going on. But there's a room where John Wick goes in and he must murder at least five people per scene, right? So he must murder a few people in there. Uh, he takes out someone who's in a grotto-like setting with a pool. The Ritz-Carlton in Finance Street without all the violence, uh, just like it, it reminds me of that setting. Wow. Great. That should be on the, that should be on the review. <laughs> uh, thank you as always. I'll see you soon. Thank you.